Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, the podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Alistair Crawford, who is Managing Director of LMAC or LMAC, a leading business growth and productivity improvement consultancy. Welcome to the show, Alistair. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, been looking forward to this uh, conversation. I think in, in manufacturing and engineering, improvements, CI, lean, any sort of business improvements to, to get more efficient, more profitable hmm. um, is always a, a good thing. And it's been my experience of talking to many businesses and candidates over the years that some organizations get that right. And others, it's a real challenge knowing how to, to go about any sort of transformation uh, program. But we'll talk about some of the pitfalls, I'm sure, as we yeah. go along and some of the opportunities uh, that you're seeing in the sector at the moment. So. To start off with, business growth and, and sort of lean strategies, always planned with the best intentions, but where where, where do so many of them go wrong, Alistair? That's an interesting question because you're right. You see lots of examples where companies are really flying and you can see the adoption is, is going really well. And then unfortunately, you do come across a lot of companies where it hasn't quite gone to plan. I think there's a few, in my experience, there's a few reasons why this happens. I think the first one is, there's misalignment in terms of why are we doing this? So it almost becomes a standalone project. So yeah. if you think about any, any company out there at the moment, certainly within manufacturing, they're so busy. They've got so many projects and challenges with energy costs, with people and all of these projects up in the air. If you then bring along a continuous improvement program or a lean program or whatever you want to call it, then unless that's aligned to why are we doing this and, and what's the objective, it just becomes a standalone project. And when mm -hmm. things get busy, it's one of the first projects that gets dropped. So then that's my first bit of feedback is companies don't have, they don't explain why they're doing it properly and they don't have it as we're using this as a tool to leverage what we're looking to achieve. So that's the first challenge that I see. Um, the second one is probably around, I touched on it briefly, but there's too many priorities. So a company has got limited time and effort and you've only got so much discretionary effort across the business. Mm. So where do we where do we channel that? So we need to make sure that if we're going to go ahead and embark on this change program, then we're resourcing it properly and we're, we're making sure that we're not trying to do too much. So they're two of the two of the fundamental things that I think from a strategic level stop them. We're not enabling them or we're not setting them up to be successful in the first place. And then I think the third one, um, which you'll, you'll hear very commonly, is that we're really not engaging with the people who are going to be part of that change. So we're not explaining to them. Humans are simple creatures, really, is that they, there's always the what's in it for me factor. And yes. if we're embarking on a change, then the first question you'll get asked is, well, why are we doing this? What does it mean to me? Um, and if we can't form a strong link and, and get that message across consistently, and I don't just mean a one-off briefing to the company where we say, this is what we're doing. People need to be reinforced. So communication, why are we doing this? How is this going to support our business? How does it align with what we're trying to achieve as a business and our future growth? How is this going to benefit me as an individual? And how do we keep reinforcing that message? And communication, I think, is one of the critical things of a successful change program. Yeah. It's over-communicate. Just tell people what's going on. Keep telling them. Keep listening to them. Keep involving them. 
Yeah, thank you for that. And it, it's it's interesting how, how important that, you know, the, the communication is. Mm. It's a team effort, isn't it? You know, ideally, you know, any sort of change or, or transformation program, I guess, should be driven either from the top down or certainly, you know, unless the board are bought into it, you know, and everybody's mm. singing the same hymn, um, it, it's difficult to get that consistency, I suppose, throughout the whole workforce and 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 team and they, and they have to model the right behavior as well so if you think yes. around one of the principles that you may want to be trying to promote by embarking on a lean program is we want a culture of continuous improvement or we want a problem solving culture well actually if the leaders are not modeling that behavior and they're not creating this culture where problems are good and they're using the same tools it's very easy for senior leaders to say this is the program we're doing but really what they mean is this is what we want you to do and it doesn't yeah. affect us so i think yeah. that that not just um, not just supporting it, but supporting it by modelling the right behaviours and uh, is what what's really going to help. Absolutely, and you know we're going to talk about culture. I mean, you know whether it's plant, process, people that that need improving. You know whatever the reason is behind the you know the improvement project, it, it really is key for for the business to lay a, a solid foundation really through the right culture and you know because everything else really is built on that. On that mm. platform, I've seen a lot of companies uh, go through transformation programs. And when, when you've got a, a workforce that are highly motivated, you've got low attrition, you've got fairly good productivity, but you, mm. you obviously need to, to improve. Transformation programs can be quite successful. But when you've got these almost inherent issues, people issues, culture issues, you know, there, there's this sort of them and us mentality mm-hmm. you know if things aren't communicated properly and as you said before the reasons why you're embarking on whatever change it is you're going through i think that that does create the the sort of nervousness that that apprehension and it's the fear of un- uh, the unknown isn't it you know when a when a workforce yeah. or a team are being told look this is what we're going to do but the reasons and the, the 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 sort of benefits that it will bring not only to the business, but for those individuals or teams, uh, I, I can see where quite quickly the wheels could come off the wagon. Easy, easily done, and people because people don't like change. Yeah, generally, um, so we have to manage that very carefully to make sure that that people um, make it as, as easy transition as possible. Yeah, in in your sort of dealings, Alistair, with with, uh, with, with businesses across manufacturing hmm. what what are you seeing generally in terms of the, the the state of of company culture i mean you know clearly you you will have a mandate to go into a, a business and help them transform and improve hmm. and, and through that relationship you know you get to know the main stakeholders you'll spend some time within the business what what, what do you sort of pick up in terms of the culture and you know are there as many issues as a lot of people say, I mean, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, most businesses have a some sort of culture issue, whether yeah. it's a major one or whether there's room for improvement. But what what, what are you seeing? Oh, it's a, it's a difficult one to answer because it, I think it's a real mixed bag. Um, so to, first of all, it is a cliche, but culture is everything within yeah. a business. Fundamentally, that that's what will make a, a company successful or not. And I often use sporting analogies to bring it to life. And if you look at any any sporting team, you can have the best people on that sporting team. They can have the best training equipment in the background to make them as fit as possible. But we've got loads of examples whereby you get the real underdogs that aren't, haven't got the, 
the, the individual personalities and experts, but actually they're performing really well as a team. And it all comes down to that culture. So it is a cliche, but culture is everything. And it's the same for businesses. They can have the best systems, the best software, the best technology, the best tools, the best products. But unless you've got the people that are actually making that product and the sales team and all across the business, unless they're aligned and pulling in the same direction, then you're never going to be you're never going to be world class. So yeah. that's my first comment. Um, the reason I said it's a mixed bag is because it really culture is led from the top. So that culture will will, will have been built up from years worth of, of experiences that, that that organization has had. So depending on what that leadership team has been like over the, the last X years, um, that has created the current culture. So I'll walk into some businesses and there's some really shining lights and some good examples whereby you've got a leader that demonstrates the right beliefs, the right values, they're passionate about what they do. They've got a really good vision that they're, they're good at communicating through the business. They genuinely care about their people. They're listening to them. Really good example. So when I go and support those businesses on how to improve productivity, you can imagine how quickly you can get some change because yep. this is just, you've got their support. You can position it properly. You can get some real, real good momentum. And then you've got the opposite end of the spectrum whereby you've got some, some business owners that, that think um, think differently, and and they they're really in it to. Well, in the past, they've been in it to just to to generate profit, and that's the way they manage. Their management style can be a bit dictatorial, um, yep. and before they're bringing us in to try and change the culture of the business, when really the the challenge is around some of their behaviours and how they've led the business over the last X number of years. Um, and that's that's I guess why we're in business because there's no there's no one size fits all in terms of a solution. What we have to do is understand where is the business and what's the root cause of that yeah. culture being the way it is. And you can design a culture. You can't quickly change a culture. You can shape a culture. So what we do is we really understand where are you as a business? Where are you trying to get to? What's the culture that you're trying to create to, to enable you for future success? And then how do we create the right beliefs within the organization and give people the right experiences that show that this is the culture we're trying to demonstrate. So if I use yeah. the problem solving example that we talked about before, then if we want to create a problem solving culture whereby people are open and honest and they work together to solve problems and they don't sweep them under the carpet, that needs to be role modeled. And we need to give people experiences where the first time they raise a problem, we thank them and we support them. And by doing that, and if we do that, not just once, but if we do that continually over a number of days, weeks and months, we will shape the culture to say, actually, um, this is a company where I can raise a problem. Um, all of it can be can be improved and probably all of it does need some focus to help improve if we really want to improve manufacturing um, across the UK. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at some of the typical challenges that, that <clears throat> your that your clients would come up with, and I guess they would be you know, indicative of, 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 you know, a lot of manufacturing businesses. The three main challenges are, are usually people, cost and on-time delivery. What are the trends in terms of the, you know, the, the, the root cause of these things? I mean, there's a myriad of different reasons why, you know, issues with people, cost or, or OTD arise. But, you know, I, I suppose there are some, <clears throat> some causes that are more common than others so what 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 sort of trends do you see uh, across those three sort of areas in terms yeah. of the root cause yeah um i'm going to explain it quite simply i hope in that somebody else may have a different perspective but from my point of view 
the root cause of all of these issues is a lack of productivity improvement over the years. And if you think around the challenges, if I just break those three challenges down, we've got the resource issue. We've had the luxury of having cheaper Eastern European labour in the UK for a number of years, thereby there hasn't been a sense of urgency to look at how we automate and how we improve and make things more efficient. So because we haven't focused on that productivity improvement, then suddenly that has been taken away and we're left with this massive skills shortage. Cost, the same thing. If you think around now, people haven't got enough resources, their overheads have remained the same. So you're still having to pay off that equipment. You've still got the same size factory. Your lights, your energy, you're actually using more of it because you're not as efficient. You've lost some of these people. So you're actually having to run it longer. So your overheads may have actually gone up. Um, And then from the on-time delivery, it's the same challenge because we've lost some of the resources. We can't deliver on time. So for me, all of those challenges are a result of the fact we haven't invested properly in terms of productivity improvement over the last number of years. Um, And the UK has got got some way to go in terms of the adoption of technology and automation and things that can really help help the business to improve. Yeah. So my firm belief is if we can improve productivity, you're going to, you're going to need require less people. So you can do the same volume with less people or really what most businesses are looking to do is more with the same resources. We can develop um, higher value, better paying jobs because people are going to be doing different things. Yeah. Your cost base is going to be lower because you're going to get better return on the assets you're using because you're not running them as long um, and you can deliver on time. So I think focus on productivity. Yeah. That's a, that's a great answer. I like the way you've explained that. And um, I, I suppose, you know, over the last sort of 12 to 18 months during the pandemic, and then we've had these awful, you know, this supply chain disruption for, for a number of reasons. You know, we've got the, the, the war in Ukraine. We've got the you know, microchip shortage. We've got all these. Perfect storm, isn't it? Blasted container <laughs> shortages. And yeah, it, it, is a, it is a perfect storm. Um, and I think one of the, one of the things that's become clear is that, uh, you know, a lot of businesses seem to be al- almost prioritizing. It, it's all about labor shortage. We haven't got the skills, you know, we haven't got the people the, the Eastern European workers have gone back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we know all of that. We, we know businesses and the, the further education organizations need to, to work a little bit smarter in terms of, um, you know, having the right sort of support for manufacturers um for, for their needs but having said that if businesses invested more money in in automation and robotics and, I, and i've been a fan of this for, for a number of years hmm. it, it's not about yes they probably will need to invest in skills because there will be people that maybe will be coming up to retirement age and they've, they've got to keep that pipeline yeah. Yeah. full so i i do recognize the fact that yes we do need a focus on skills but automation can fill a huge amount of the the, the gaps obviously the you know the supply chain low-cost countries and all the, the the stuff coming in from the far east for example businesses are waiting for deliveries that you used to take i don't know six to twelve weeks sometimes now i'm hearing that it might be six six eight ten twelve yeah. months before they can get stuff in by keeping the same amount of people where they can and investing in in more capital equipment in, in robotics automation and, and cobots are probably a, a great way to go for certain applications hmm. businesses can still grow even though we've got this labor shortage and in some areas it's not straightforward you can't you can't just have a, an automated 
solution uh, mm. for, for everything. I, I'm, a, I'm a strong advocate for, you know, businesses stepping up and, you know, just investing that money, you know, whilst there's a bit of a, I suppose there's a trade-off, isn't there, of, of keeping enough cash in the business in these uncertain times. Yeah. But it will get to a point where, you know, if they're not investing, we're already behind on productivity mm. compared to a lot of advanced industrial countries. So at some point, that scale has got a tip, hasn't it? I mean... Definitely. Uh, I think we're there. We're getting very close. The the, yeah, the fact that we can, we've not got enough people, the, the, the money we're having to pay people, the pay rises we're having to give, everyone's competing. So the salaries are just going through the roof. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that tipping point and that trade-off point is getting... Is getting very close, and I think the other, the other thing to recognise is that it's not just all about when we talk around automation or industry four and digital technology. It's not just all about putting robots on the shop floor because that's been around for a number of years, and that's really yeah. the third industrial revolution when we came through and, and automated some of that. There's an example whereby companies can improve productivity not through looking at automation on the shop floor, but just investing in better planning software. Yeah. So the way that people plan and schedule, I'm working with a couple of businesses at the moment where this is the number one priority. It's not that they need to automate. Actually, it's that they, they're not creating a realistic plan for the week. They're not creating an optimal plan. And because of that, they're losing 20, 30% of capacity yeah. because they're not doing the right things and people are doing the wrong jobs and they're in the wrong areas. So I think we need to just really broaden people's minds around um, it's not just about automation, it's around how do we use some of this digital manufacturing technology anywhere through the process. It yeah. could be around the person setting up the job, the person who's taking the order in and you're relying on one person who can set the job up in the system, that can be automated. Yeah. So that's a, a bot sitting on your computer using robotic process automation. You know, the manufacturing part of the process is generally a couple of hours in the middle. There's about a four-week lead time, so everyone yeah. focuses on the the actual manufacturing process but there's opportunities to improve the end-to-end -end value chain um where you can have some real good benefits so that's that's part of what we're trying to do with our with our siri offering that we'll we'll perhaps talk about later on but um it's just to educate people that there's so many new technologies out there that can help your business to improve and become more competitive and it's around yeah. it's around a business understanding what's my bottleneck where's my challenge and then picking the appropriate tool to solve that challenge yeah so industry four then smart manufacturing uh, yeah. you mentioned digitization what 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 would be the main sort of barriers for mm. manufacturing businesses and, and in particular smes to, mm. to embracing these these technical transformations with, with more digital processes yeah. well, i'd say the first one is they don't know where to start so if you if you put yourself in the shoes of an md of us of an sma they're so busy. They're wearing so many hats. They've got all of these challenges at the moment. Do they really have the time to go and research and understand what all of these technology and solutions are out there? Because unless they're presented to you, then you know common sense. It's common sense after you know it. But when you don't know that information, you know it's hard. And they haven't got time to spend hours on the internet googling and going to trade shows and seeing things. So I think the biggest, the first challenge is that they don't know what's out there and they don't know where to start. Mm. They'll have heard of the obvious things. They'll have heard of cobots and robots um, and that's, and they'll have potentially vendors selling them their solutions. Uh, and that could be a good solution for them, but it might not be. And some, com some companies have been burnt in the past with investing in a robot or investing in something that wasn't the right area to focus on. And therefore they didn't get the return on investment. So they're a bit hesitant to, to actually invest anymore. 
So there's a couple of challenges in there. So I think what we're trying to do with SMEs is to really give them, they need support in terms of where do I start? Um, there's, and that's what we're trying to do as a consultancy. And that's what we are doing is, is supporting SMEs to say, look, for you as an SME, your priority is to, you need to reduce your lead time. You need to improve your quality, whatever it is. And therefore, if this is what you need to do, these are the areas where you should focus in, focus on. So the easiest yep. example is a company needs to improve their on-time delivery because there's a lot of variation. Well, focusing on your um, advanced planning system and looking at some software and how you can be a bit smarter because things are changing so quickly in, in the current manufacturing landscape mm. with variation in supplies coming in, um, absenteeism on the shop floor, adjusting what you can do. All of this is very dynamic. It's changing minute by minute. So yeah. you need a good system that can actually real time monitor that and make adjustments as we go and that's you know there's some software out there that can help with that so that's just one example of um i forgot where i was going with that but that, the, the original question was around what are the challenges with with businesses and it's around not knowing where to focus yeah uh, and they're only aware of the things that they've heard of i.e robots and cobots so yeah. we need to be better at educating people on actually this is what what you need so that's okay no, that's that's a that's a good explanation. So you mentioned uh, Siri. Now this is something that I'm I'm not to be honest I'm not overly familiar with. It's Smart Industry Ready the Smart Industry Readiness Index. Well done. So what what is that? What what's it for? How how can manufacturers benefit from from having a Siri application? So it's the it's an internationally recognised best practice tool to help a company assess where they are currently and to help them prioritise which area of industry four or which bit of digital manufacturing technology is going to give them the biggest return on investment. So it's really to counter the challenge that I said earlier on around people don't know where to start yep. and they don't know what to do. That was why Siri was invented. The background, quick summary of the background, it was developed in Singapore back in 2017. They got a group of um, some big consultancy firms, some automation and, and industry experts as broad range of people together to develop this. Singapore yeah. have got a, a vision to, to grow manufacturing GDP to 30%. That's the journey they're on. So significant, yeah. they, they can see that for the future of Singapore, it's in manufacturing. They can't have lots of people. They need to invest in advanced manufacturing. And they wanted a method where they could take all of their manufacturing companies on a journey and scale it very quickly. So yeah. they, they developed this, this framework and this tool that fundamentally does an assessment of your business where you are now. So over, two, over a couple of days, uh, a certified Siri assessor, which we're one of those, comes into your business, evaluates where you are, what your business objectives are, understands your costs, understands your priority KPIs. We take all of that information in. There's an algorithm that sits in the background. We plug all of that data in. And what it does is it spits out um, the priority areas for your business. So if your challenge is ABC yeah. and your main costs are XYZ and you need to improve you know, lead time and whatever else, it will take all of this into account and it will say you need to focus on these, these four dimensions. So it really cuts through all of that headache of saying, I don't know where to start. Because mm. for us, any technology, any digital manufacturing technology and program you're, you're implementing there has to be a clear return on investment and it has to be in line with yeah. back to what I said before around the so many priorities. We need to have an aligned vision that we are trying to improve this cost factor and we're trying to drive this KPI up. Therefore, this is the right technology that 
that you're going to use. So yeah, it's a couple. Of, it takes a couple of days to go through the business. Um, as part of that, we educate your leadership team because that's one of the other challenges I see is that your leaders don't really understand what industry four is. Yeah. And maybe your operations and your manufacturing team are, but you may have a sales director that thinks this doesn't this doesn't apply to me. And your HR person or your people GM will be sitting there saying, I don't get it and it's not for us. So what, what we're trying to do with Siri is make sure that everyone's educated that uh, digital manufacturing and industry four principles can have an impact on every part of that function of your, your value chain. And if yeah. everyone's on the same page, then you don't have all of these pet projects. Everyone's aligned towards, towards one common goal. Great. Yeah, it, it just boils back to uh, communication again, doesn't it? You know, um, it's, it's just so important, runs through everything. Yeah, yeah, and people just being aligned, I think, is, is a critical critical bit. You can imagine a company with, with eight different leaders. If they've got, all got eight different ideas of what the business needs to do to be successful, then you've got eight people pulling in different directions. Um, not aligned towards that one common vision. So it's a bit of a combination of aligning everybody, educating them, using the algorithm to prioritize. Uh, and then then out of that, you get a roadmap to say, these are the areas we're going to focus on. And then they can go and invest with confidence that they're investing in the right areas that's going to give them return on investment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I, I know you've got operations here in the UK and, mm. and also in New Zealand where the business was mm. originally uh, sort of founded. So in terms of Siri then, what, what, what are the main trends that you're seeing through, through performing these, these Siri assessments in the UK and New Zealand? And are, are there any sort of differences in, in the results across the two countries? I mean, uh, sometimes with, with systems or, or products or, or businesses, you, you have a, a model that works but then if you just pick that up and plant it somewhere else, it doesn't necessarily give you the same sort of uh, output. So what, what are you seeing, you know, when you compare the two countries? It's a good, it's a good question. I get asked it a lot because, as you, as you mentioned, we were, we were founded in New Zealand and that's where the majority of our team have been for a number of years. Um, and me coming back to the UK seven months ago, you get asked those questions around, well, it's not, is it that applicable to us? Because New Zealand's very different. It's very similar. Certainly it's an SME. When you look at the business landscape, mm. the, New Zealand doesn't have the big multinationals, so it doesn't have the big aerospace and automotive sectors that the UK has got. So I think in the UK, you've got some really mature organisations that are doing some really exciting and cutting-edge stuff around here. And you've got lots of these lighthouse factories in the UK that are doing some, some really amazing things, which you yeah. don't have that in New Zealand. But when you boil it down to an SME, some of the SMEs, I'm seeing no difference. I think the level of the level of maturity where they're at on the journey is almost identical, um, okay. which is which is interesting. Um, now, what are we seeing from doing the assessment? So our assessment splits industry four into sixteen different dimensions. I'm not going to go through the detail, but it splits it down into sixteen dimensions of industry four. And from doing the assessments across New Zealand and in the UK, we're seeing the same trends in terms of where the where the priorities are and they the first one is around vertical integration and that's um what that really means is how you capture information from your operators or machines on the shop floor how they go back through your systems and technology so it can go back into your planning system it can go back into your sales crm yeah because that information the speed of that information going back into the right systems 
is critical these days. As I mentioned before, there's so many things changing yeah. in a business. Yeah. Raw material supply shortage and a change in delivery times, a machine being broken down and therefore it can't perform and it's running behind. All of these things that are happening, all these variables that are happening across a business. If you think around the old process of by the time that gets communicated from somebody to somebody else in the next daily meeting, you've suddenly lost track and you've never, you've never really got one um, view of what's happening at any one time because you're always yeah. playing catch up. Yeah. So virtual integration is how you capture real-time data and feed it back to the right people or the right processes or the right systems so that they can make real-time decisions all with the aim of making the right decision so that we can make today the best day it can be rather than waiting. Because once it's gone, you've lost that day. Nothing yeah. you can do. You can have a meeting the next day and talk about what went wrong. Uh, but what we're trying to do is get real-time information and real-time problem solving. So vertical integration is, is critical. Uh, and then to enable that, what we're seeing is it's called shop floor connectivity, the connectivity of your machines on the shop floor so that they can talk to other machines and other systems Yep. Interoperably, meaning that they can communicate using the same language and they're not talking two different languages. So the ability for, for your machines and your processes to be able to communicate, I think. So in summary, it's all around data, data analytics, yep. real-time information. That's the, the number one trend we're seeing across businesses. Uh, second one being automation, as you mentioned, because okay. with a product from a productivity point of view and lack of people and resources, then companies needing to automate usually manufacturing companies their biggest costs are labor raw materials so if you think around that how can we have the biggest impact on some of those and it's through through automation yeah and how, how have you seen the you know the sort of iot devices you mm. know look, looking at the uk and, and new mm. zealand um I know the, the the sort of interconnectivity and um, you know it's mm. all about big data, isn't it? You know mm. all the pieces of machinery mm. and, and systems being able to to talk and communicate to to one another. Um, th th there's there's thousands of these different devices available, and and mm. a lot of businesses have invested heavily in IoT. I, th I think one one of the one of the things that sort of come to come to the fore over the last few months and I had a, I had a guest on the podcast um, a few episodes ago, um, Chris Windley um, talking about cybersecurity, you know, the, the, the sort of risks involved, you know, when, when you're sort of multiplying up mm. the, the, you know, the, the potential for, for breaches in, into your system, you know, and apparently manufacturing is now the number one yeah, uh, target for, for cybersecurity. What what are you seeing any trends in terms of the the sort of type of IoT or the um you know the, the difference in the, the sort of investment value for, for different systems across the two countries or is that just uh, no, the same no, wherever you are? No difference across the two countries. I think um I think New Zealand's probably a bit more laid back and complacent about cybersecurity. Really? Which is which is a risk. Uh, generally, I think New Zealand's a bit more laid back in, in general, so they, they, their attitude toward things is a bit more laid back, which, which mm. isn't always uh, helpful in these scenarios. But I'm not seeing a big, a big difference. I think what we are seeing is, you're exactly right, as companies look to deploy more IoT solutions to gather data, then there's going to be more increased risk. So when we're doing the Siri assessment, 
part of the maturity because we, we assess it on a banding from zero to five yeah. and to move from a let's say move from a band two to a band three we have to consider um making things secure and certain cyber security so yeah. when we're when we're building a roadmap with a business it's not just a case of we need to deploy this technology as part of our education piece we're educating the team that these are the risks that come alongside that we're not experts in terms of these, there's so many devices out there, but we do partner with people to bring yeah. in the right people to make sure that that as a company is embarking on a digital manufacturing journey, they do need to be comfortable that things are things are safe and secure. Um, yeah. Another thing while we're talking around data, because I think one thing I've noticed is there's this big push on data and analytics and big data. And I think we have to be just we we just have to be pragmatic about this because. Yes, we could connect every single machine and we could get data from every single machine. But I think we have to go back to the principle of why are we collecting that data and, and why is it going to be useful for us? And if we think about it from the top down, what makes us successful as a business? Is it quality? Is it lead time? And if we understand what makes us successful, then we can measure. How do we measure that? So delivery on time, well, it's our... Uh, die fault measure okay what information do we need to be able to measure real-time die fault we need yeah a b and c therefore what connectivity do we need and what sensors do we need because otherwise we could go and put sensors on everything and it'd be great we'd have all these lovely visual dashboards but actually it's cost us a lot of money and it's, it's not overkill and it's overkill so i think yeah. companies have to be very focused on why are we doing this is it really important for us to know exactly how that machine is performing or condition monitoring etc yeah uh, and that's our approach is very much a pragmatic approach working from what are we trying to achieve who needs what insights where are we going to get the data from yeah and then let's start in one area get that sorted and move on to the next one otherwise you can become it's quite a daunting task to think that you you have to go through the whole operation and and capture every bit of data yeah yeah, I wouldn't want to be the person responsible for, for, for everything. As you say, a lot of it would be just wasting, you just collecting data, some of the data for the for the sake of it when you should be focusing on the yeah the critical data or the priority. And it just adds more noise. It can be more yeah. harmful because as soon as you've got a KPR, as soon as you see that deteriorating, automatically people start wanting to do something about it. So I think having having the right number of KPIs and the right amount of data is, is what, what we need. Yeah. You mentioned um, condition monitoring. I, I was going to mm. uh, going to ask you about sort of asset management. Um, yeah. You know, in, in my job as a, as a recruiter, you know, I've <laughs> heard a number of times uh, from you know roles that I've recruited in the past. You know, whether it's sort of engineering related or, or manufacturing management, plant management related. You know. You, ha you have this phrase of, you know, you've got to sweat your assets to get your maximum return on mm -hmm. investment. You know, the, the finance, the finance, the FD or the CFO is, is going to be, it's, it's going to be on the case of, of manufacturing and engineering to, to get every last drop out of, out yeah. of, you know, their, their, their assets. And I, and I get that, but, but sometimes the, the, the cost of a, a poor maintenance strategy or executing that maintenance strategy can end up costing a lot more than, you know, simply shutting a machine down for a few hours, lost production mm. to, to under, mm. undertake the critical maintenance. So there's always that sort of trade-off, I think, between production. Uh, so you've got your engineers or your maintenance team, you know, crying out, you know, you need to, you need to let us have this line yeah. for, 
yeah. an hour or, or a couple of hours. We need to do X, Y, Z. Well, no, we can't stop the line because of, you know, we, we've got these orders that we need to get out the door. So it's a constant battle. But, you know, these days we've got predictive maintenance, we've got condition monitoring, planned preventative maintenance. All of these things are, are vital in prolonging plant lifetime, yeah. um, which, which adds value to the initial investment, you know, but there are still so many businesses prioritizing purely output and invoice value over keeping their plant alive, you know, maintaining their plant in the in the way that it should be. So how how difficult is it to, to strike the right balance? Um, and I'll t- with, with these sort of digital systems, mm. it is, is there a, a, a solution to that age-old problem of, you know, you just got to keep the machines running flat out and we'll deal with a, a breakdown if we need to? So how, 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 how do you get that sort of balance right? And what, what can the, the sort of software and technology do to, to overcome that? Yeah, it's hard, right? It's, um, it's a difficult one because some of it will come back, back to what we were talking about before is the culture of the organisation. You've got some very mature organisations that recognise and the leaders are, are switched on that they recognise. And maybe it's because they've been bitten in the past by lack of maintenance. So you'll have some organisations that even if you need to get things out the door, and you're behind, they will still allow the maintenance schedules to happen because they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And they, they want to create the right beliefs and experiences. And that's the culture we've got. And then you've got the opposite. Um, in terms of, in terms of how technology can help, then you've mentioned a few of them. You've got, you've got lots of technology that we can put on equipment. And none of this is new, by the way, you know, condition monitoring. We've been, we've been monitoring bearings and, and monitoring heat and things like that for, for a number of years back when I was yeah. an apprentice many years ago, I think I was taught on, putting something against a bearing and being able to, to, to listen to when it was wearing, wearing out. Yeah. So the technology that we've got can definitely help to, to paint that picture. Because I think if you, were a, if you were an operations director and you had a maintenance manager come to you and say, here's the data and we can see the trend that this bearing is about to fail. And if you don't give it to me next week, it's going to fail and cause you eight hours of downtime. I think it would be a pretty um, foolish operations person to say no you can't have it yeah so the data you know, data's king isn't it you can if you can show and paint that picture that this is the right thing to do it becomes an educated decision so it can yes. definitely help to cut through if you think back to the old days what it would have been is i need this equipment because i've not had it for a while and and it becomes a very subjective conversation so it can definitely help my view on this is that we again we need to be pragmatic you'll hear that word coming through a lot about the way Elmat work is we're very very much a pragmatic company yeah now if you think about any assets you've got in a business and let me give you a couple of examples you you've got a cnc machine shop and that cnc machine shop might have one unit where there's seven identical machines and at the moment that's not their constraint they've only got three people that can run it so in that scenario if one of those machines goes down it's not mission critical because yep. it's not your constraint However, you might have a laser machine over here. It's your only laser machine and that feeds the rest of your business. So for me, it's around understanding the criticality of your equipment. Um, A business needs to know out of all of these assets I've got, which are mission critical. If that one goes down, I can't back it up. The spares are going to come from overseas, so it's going to be down for a few weeks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If we can do that assessment then we can have a logical, pragmatic asset management strategy. And that's where you invest the time. So if that's a mission critical, think about aeroplanes. Everything's monitored. Why? Because if it goes wrong, it's critical. 
it's life critical. We need to have the same approach within manufacturing organisations that we understand this pump here is critical. If that goes down, a compressor is a good example. You know, most companies, if that compressor goes down, the whole place goes down. So on the compressor, you'd like to have good condition monitoring, the right maintenance regimes, etc. Whereas equipment X over here, we may allow that to, to run to failure because actually the cost is, is not that great. So horses for courses. Um, I think data, sorry, digital technology can help us to paint a better picture, but it does come down to understanding your assets and knowing which are critical and spending the money um, where it's going to give you the best return. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. So, Alistair, uh, LMAC, you've been operating in the UK for 10 years now and yes. 17 in, in New Zealand. Yeah. When when the business was started in New Zealand, it, it, it's you, you've said on your, or your website, its aim was to reverse the trend of offshoring manufacturing. So given the current trend here in the UK for more reshoring over the last few years, um, and, and we've got to, you know, we've got to applaud businesses and, and their you know their their sentiment and their mm. reasons for, for doing that it's long overdue um how is this affecting the, the the opportunities and the need for uk manufacturing to go full throttle you know with things like industry for lean continuous mm. improvements you know it just seems like a great opportunity it is i think we're ideal you know all of these things coming together with disrupt disruption in supply chain um, et cetera, is, is leading us towards we want to secure supply chain and bringing things closer. So you can see the trend it's reversed from offshoring things that were cheaper. And now we're looking at how can we have a more secure supply chain? Um, I think we've got a great opportunity. And I'll go back to companies need to, if they want to compete and we want to bring that, there's always going to be a cost factor in there. So yep. having, having the supply locally is, is one of the factors. But if you're going to be charging twice as much, you're still going to be procuring from overseas. So we have to focus on how can we reduce the cost and how can we become more competitive? Yeah. And to do that, I'm going to go back to productivity. We haven't invested. We need to get more productive. If we want to compete, we need to look at, um, we're never going to compete on labor. We need to look at how can we get smarter in what we're doing. And that really comes down to some of the digital manufacturing technologies, some of the automation, the software that's out there too technology all across the value chain that can really make a difference so i think it's fundamental to if we want to bring things reassure things and be competitive we have to focus on some of these areas and, and now's the time to do it um yeah. and there's things there's things that are there's things that are helping in terms of being able to be a low volume manufacturer because because the uk you know it's it can become historically has been quite expensive to do low volume high variety of products but again, there's technology out there that we're getting shorter changeover times and we're getting more flexible manufacturing. Yeah. We've got examples whereby in the past you had to program a robot to do a task and therefore it was only it would only pay back if you were making a thousand of those widgets. These days we can send data to that robot, we can send the basic program and it, it can learn and teach itself and it can go well yeah. things in a program. So you're starting to get some of this emerging technology that can really support low volume high variety manufacturing so i think all these things coming together costs going up overseas people wanting to secure local supply chains emerging technology we're at the perfect time for, for the fourth industrial revolution which is really where where we're sitting to try and help yeah. advise companies on how do we do it where do we start brilliant so so on that then what what's the what's the latest news coming mm. out of 
LMAC. I mean, what, what, what are you involved with currently? What, what are the plans for, for Q4 and, and, and next mm. year, really? That's a good question. Um, so in New Zealand, we've, have, we've, been, we've been doing the Siri assessments. We've been working closely. We, we were lucky enough to win an RFP in New Zealand. So we've been working closely, delivering a government program, which is supporting manufacturers. That's yeah. really taken off in the last couple of years. So it's really exciting times in New Zealand that we're, we're going to be expanding that program. And the intention of that is we're getting to a really good point where we've got a large network of manufacturing companies now in New Zealand that are starting to share and work together to actually to improve. So really exciting time in New Zealand. For the UK, then that the quite early on in that journey, I came back to the UK seven months ago and really promoting our Siri offering, keen to support manufacturers. So for the UK business, it's very much uh, following the success we've had in New Zealand with helping the manufacturing community to, to improve over there. Yeah. We've, we've brought that offering back to the UK and that's going to be our focus um, for the rest of this year. So the only way we're going to achieve that is to, is by collaborating. Now one, one consultancy is never going to, is never going to be able to change the future of UK manufacturing, but actually there's some really good things happening in the UK. There's some good people out there. There's some good centers of excellence and the high value manufacturing catapults. Yeah. Like we can all work out how we can work together to achieve the same goal. And that's, that's where I'm currently talking to a few people just to see how can we actually, how can we collaborate? How can we work together? Because we've got the ideal opportunity to, to bring manufacturing back to the UK. And yes, we're really excited about how we can play a part in that. Uh, I'm not so excited about the, the, the winter coming up, the first UK winter in 12 years. So that's quarter fours. I've got that to look forward to. At least <laughs> well, it, it sounds like there's, you know, there's an awful lot of opportunity out there for, you know, for your business and, and, and others providing services into to organizations that just have to get smarter and get mm. more efficient and more productive. So, uh, well, that, that's pretty much brought us to the end of, uh, of our episode today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Alistair. I, I you know, wish you all the very best on your, you. you know, continued expansion in the UK and the rollout of, of further services. What's the best way for, for businesses to, to get in touch with you if they've got any questions um about your about your services at lmac you can find all of our details are on they're on our website which is um, lmac-group.com so if you go to there you'll find our contact details and inquiry forms so that wraps up today's episode hope you've enjoyed our discussion thanks again to alistair crawford thank you for listening and look out for the next episode of insights for manufacturing see you next time and bye-bye